Dear Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your goodness. We thank you most of all, Lord, that you save us. And Lord, that you protect us and you keep us and that you work and you answer prayer. We thank you for all the testimonies that were given tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Proverbs chapter 29. Try to be careful with our time um, tonight. And we're not going to try to cover the whole chapter, I don't believe, just the first part of it. But uh, as we're going through the book of Proverbs, we have covered quite a bit topically and uh, just wanted to get back to a place, Proverbs 30, I'm sorry, uh, where we can just dig in and start working verse upon verse. And um, let's just start reading in verse 1, the words of Agar, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel, and Eucal. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I have neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and was it, what is his son's name? If thou canst tell, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not to his words, unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee and thou be found guilty. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. So we look here and it says the words of Agar, the son of Jacob. And of course, the first question that comes into everybody's mind, who is this Agar? Nobody knows. He's the son of Jacob. Uh, That is about as far as we can go. Uh, in one of the books I was reading, it said, Agar the Sage. Now, I don't know where that title came from other than the fact that he had words recorded in the book of Proverbs that would make him a pretty wise man. And so as Agar introduces himself, he has two disciples here, two men that he is teaching, Ithiel and Eucal. And he gives us a little bit at the beginning here of his attitude toward life. You know, attitude determines an awful lot. Uh, Sometimes uh, we do the right things, but we do it with the wrong attitude, and therefore it's still wrong, isn't it? And uh, he says, surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of of a man. Now we've already read much through the book of Proverbs and understanding is something that you want. He says, I don't have it. 
He said, I am brutish. The, uh, the word means to come from acting like a brute. The, the common uh, word in our modern language is the word stupid. He says, I, I'm just without any couth. I have no uh, ability to behave as I ought to. He said, I've neither learned wisdom and nor have the knowledge of the holy. Now, before we're too hard on Mr. Agar here, I mean, he's being quite hard on himself. We need to read the next few verses here. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who, who ascended into heaven or descended? God. Uh, who hath gathered the wind in his fist? Uh, God. Who hath bound the waters in a garment? God. Who hath established all the ends of the, of the earth? God. What is his name? God. What is his son's name? Now, if you're ever witnessing to uh, someone... Uh, of the Jewish faith who's somewhat hostile and, and says to you that there, God has no sons in the Bible, take him here to Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, Mr. Agar, it says, even the prophecy, he is explaining to us about God, what is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell. Now, here is Mr. Agar, he's, he's saying these things and we would say, well, wait a minute, verses 2 and 3 do not describe a person who is a true believer in God, who uh, loves God and, and, and wants to serve him. He's talking about being like a brute beast, being, uh, we would say, stupid and not understanding things and not having wisdom and not having knowledge of the holy or knowledge of God. He says, I don't have these things, but then he starts talking about God. Now, again, this overlaps a lot of, of what we've been covering here. He's saying, listen, I'm not as smart as God is. I do not have a right to claim that I have wisdom and that I have knowledge because all wisdom that I have belong to God. He's loaning it to me. Amen? He said, the knowledge that I have, it comes to me from God. He said, my understanding that I have is only what God has given me. So let's be careful before we start making our own claims. Um, it used to be said of American musicians, if I have a three chords and a capo, I'm on my way to Nashville. Uh, meaning that... Uh, Three chords is the basic chords of a song, and a capo means you can move it up and down the neck and make your instrument sound like it's playing in any key that uh, man might invent. Uh, as long as you know how to do that really basic stuff, uh, you can act like you really have something. And I'll tell you what, I've, I've met an awful lot of three chords and a capo over the years, uh, and... Uh, one of the reasons why we don't allow canned music in our service, the tape-recorded music, is because you listen to your famous, quote-unquote, favorite Christian artist, and then you get their soundtrack, and you get up and sing in front of people thinking that you're that person. There's nothing that kills a service quicker than pride 
and someone who thinks more of themselves. This is Agar speaking here. He was worthy of being recorded in the scripture. He's not demeaning himself. But what he is doing is he's helping us understand. He's saying, listen, I'm not the standard. There is nothing I have that is worthy of claiming. Everything good I have comes from God. That's why the next passage here says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. There is a tremendous amount of information in our world that is passed off as wisdom, is there not? I mean, it is just everywhere. Uh, Be careful. I want my wisdom, I want the knowledge that I claim not to come from Pete Montoro. I want it to come from God. And that's what Agar is saying here. And this is an attitude of life that exudes true wisdom. He says, listen, every word of God is pure. I do not have to weigh God's words to find out whether they're worthy of my obedience. I want God's words to weigh me, whether I am being obedient to them. And obedience to God's words protects me. How many of you have lived the Christian life long enough to know, to see specific instances in your life where just paying attention to a few simple words out of God's word protected you from situations that you would have gotten yourself into? How about a soft answer turneth away wrath? Uh, That's in the book of Proverbs. Uh, You know, that verse will keep you out of an awful lot of trouble. Uh, our first desire is to answer people and to, and to go toe-to-toe and, and, and prove that we're as smart as they were. That's not Agar. He said, you know what? I'm not as smart as all the rest of you guys claim to be. And what he was really saying is you aren't that smart either. You just think you are. But let's compare ourselves to the standard. Who hath ascended or descended? Who's bound the the wind in his fist? Who's bound the waters as a garment? What is his name? What is his son's name? Because every word of God is pure. You obey them, they'll protect you. Now look what he, he doesn't say, take from his words. He says, add thou not unto his words. You know, the easiest thing in the world for us to do is to add to the words of God. How many of you remember Genesis chapter 3? Hath not God said? No, God said we can eat of the trees, but the tree in the center is the garden. You shouldn't eat it, neither should you touch it. Is that what God said? No. He said don't eat it. You see, we always want to add to God's words. That's where you're going to get in trouble. That's where we're going to find ourselves trying, ceasing as 
this morning's message, ceasing to obey God's word and start trying to protect it. We're going to get into trouble. Now, this is Agar's attitude toward life. He's teaching these two young men. He's saying, don't look to me. It's not my wisdom. It's not my ability. He says, everything good in my life came from God. God's words are pure. God's words will protect you. Don't add to them. Don't mess with God's words because you're going to end up on the wrong side. And then he makes a strange statement here. It sounds, if you read this uh, just uh, summarily, just read over it quickly, you're going to miss the two things. It sounds like he's asked for an awful lot more than two things here. He says, verse 7, Two things have I required of thee, talking about praying to God, deny me them not before I die. He said, Lord, I'm I just asking for two things. Here's the first, here's the two things. Re- remove far from me vanity and lies. And give me neither poverty nor riches. Now these are the two things that Agar prays for. Agar doesn't live today. It would be very difficult to remove far from vanity and lies because everything we do is full of it, isn't it? From politics to to government to to education to, I mean, it, it, it is everywhere. And he doesn't elaborate on the first thing because he already has. You see, the words of God are pure. And he's asking God to remove from his life things that are not contained and not spelled out in his word. You know, there's an awful lot you can pursue in life that once you have it, it just goes into nothingness. That's vanity. The word vanity means nothing. Emptiness, vain, uh, something without value or uh or weight of any kind. You know, um, people spend their whole life. What? Let's see now, how does this work? It's a woman spends from the time she's old enough to understand until she gets 21 trying to look 21 and then the rest of her life trying to look 21 again, right? Uh, is that the way it works? Uh, somebody said something like that a while back. But stop and think about that. Does that work? No. Now, guys, they have a different approach. And, and ladies, you, this will help you understand an awful lot. See, a guy looks in the mirror, and he doesn't see what's there. He only sees what he wants to see there. So when your husband comes up and says... This looks fine, doesn't it? Realize that he thinks that that thing that he wore 10 years ago still fits. Uh, and, And because he's looking at himself and he's seeing himself 10 years ago in the mirror. Now, we joke about this. But how much of our life is expended on things like that that are absolutely meaningless? You know, if no one else believes your lies, guess who will? You will. 
You're the easiest person in the world to deceive. And this is why Agar is saying, remove far from me vanity and lies. Hey, let's go back to verse 2 here. Surely I am more brutish than any man. He said, I don't have the knowledge of the holy. I haven't learned the wisdom of man. I don't know what's out there. I'm not very smart, but God is. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Then this next one is, give me neither poverty nor riches. How many people have prayed that? Of course, you understand to live here in the United States, you're rich compared to most of the world. Uh, and if, if you know the stories, I uh, love when Brother Clayton comes and starts telling the stories and and uh, and I, I remember my dad telling stories. He said, we went to town once a year. Now, town was 20 miles away. Actually, a little over 30 over the mountains. And you know what you got when you went to town? You got a new pair of overalls and a new pair of shoes. And they'd better last. Till the next time, if, if you were careless crossing the fence and ripped a hole in your overhauls, guess what happened? Mama would go into the rag bag and find a patch and put over the hole, and you wore that until next year when you got your new pair. You, you just didn't replace things. That's the way people used to live here in the United States. You see, you get too much. What's it say? Lest I, be full, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? How many of you really trust God when everything's going the way you want it to go? You ever stopped and thought about that? When everything is just happening the way you want, you got a good job, paychecks coming in, paying all the bills, you got a little extra, you're, you're doing, things are happening the way you want, we get into, in fact, we often call this the American dream, do we not? I, I finally got to a point where I'm paying my bills and I can enjoy life and I can relax a little bit. Agar recognizes that, hey, there is no relaxing in serving God. He said, if I get full, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about God. It's my nature. But if I'm reduced to starvation, and, and privation is the word, and, and have to resort to illegal means of procuring my daily food, steal. You know, when we do those kinds of things, it's not that you just curse God, but... Uh, necessarily in name, but when you name the name of Jesus and involve yourself in this kind of activities, you're bringing a curse and reproach upon the name of God. You follow on through that? And so, don't pray for a million bucks. Pray that God will give you what you need to serve Him. That's Agar's attitude toward life. His desire of life, we might say, I mean, his attitude, he's saying, listen, 
I've got you two men here that uh, have been brought to me by God to be trained. And number one, I don't want you looking at me. I want you understanding that it's God's words. Because none of us as good or as wise as we may claim to be on this earth, if we have true wisdom, it came from God. I mean, that's one of the things that I get a little frustrated with. Somebody will sometimes say, hey, did you read so-and-so's book on this? Oh, no. Aren't you going to? Uh, Probably not. You know, there's some good things in that book. And if there are good things in that book, he already got them from this book. And if there are bad things in in, in his book, well, then he didn't get it from this book. And so why don't I just read this book? Now, I don't mean that about everything, but I'll, I'll tell you that search for wisdom can get you in an awful lot of trouble. And what we need to know and what we need to pray for is Agar sets down some pretty good rules. Remove far from me vanity of lies and give me neither poverty nor riches Feed me with food convenient for me. Give me that which I need to live for you. Now he's got a couple of rules of life here that we're going to just go through. And and he's just giving us, this is Agar's, uh, what shall we say, 15 minutes of fame here. Uh, This is his little light into his life. It's recorded in the scripture for us. And so he's... Packing this passage, this chapter full of of things that he has learned. And he comes here to verse uh, 10. He says, Accuse not a servant unto his master, lest he curse thee, and thou be found guilty. Now, we look at that, and our first thought is, if... We find somebody doing something. Oh, let's say Stephen's cleaning the building and it looks like he's doing something wrong. And invariably, one of the other brothers or sisters comes running, Stephen, what are they doing? They're accusing a servant to his master, are they not? Well, you know what? Maybe I told Stephen to empty out all the screw bins on the floor and then resort it. It looks like he made a big mess. But you know what he's actually doing? He's doing what I told him to do. You know what this verse is saying? Stop trying to figure out what everybody else is supposed to be doing. Boy, there's a lot of wisdom in there. How many times do we get in trouble trying to figure out what someone else is supposed to be doing rather than doing what we are supposed to be doing. Does that kind of tie in with feed me food convenient for me? I think it does. He's giving us a wise saying. He wants us to think about this saying. And he's saying, listen, remove far from me vanity and lies. Feed me with food convenient with me. Give me neither poverty or riches. Those are the two things 
that he's asking for and he's explaining to these men. He says, accuse not a servant to his master. Don't be running around trying to explain to everyone else what they're supposed to be doing. You better take care of you because you are supposed to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul, in the book of Romans, almost quotes this verse word for word when he talks about judging another man's servant, trying to figure out how other people are to serve God. Let's get busy doing the things that we are doing. And now King Agar is going to kind of follow pace with something that has happened in almost every generation. Now, let's see. How many people here think they're Generation X? I mean, we've got a lot of Generation X, and we, got, we have some boomers that are in here, and the different generations. And you know what? They, they call the World War II generation the greatest generation, don't they? Because they, they really fought one of the greatest battles in the history of mankind against one of the most evil men that has ever lived. In fact, I'm not sure that I agree, but the men then living, every man then living, did not believe that America could defeat Germany without enlisting Russia's help. It's an interesting thought. All of our generals, not a one of them, with the exception of General Douglas MacArthur, not one of them thought or believed that the Americans could defeat the Nazis, without enlisting the help of the communists. And that's why all of Eastern Europe fell under the Iron Curtain at the end of World War II. It was paybacks. You see, we have this idea. Let's look what it says here in verses 11 through 14. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. How many times has it been said? This younger generation doesn't respect their parents. I mean, how many times have you heard that? I mean, that's what they said in the 1950s when Elvis came out with don't step on my blue suede shoes and all of those kind of uh, stupid, silly songs. And it's been said about every generation. It says, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. You know what? Every generation that comes along thinks they're the best thing that has ever happened to the human race. Isn't that true? I mean, Agar is just looking at life here. And just so you and I understand, doesn't this sound like what you heard growing up? I mean, the older folks sitting around, they don't respect age and they don't respect, they think they're the smartest things that have ever come along. And it says here, yet they're not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty of their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. They're the best that has ever been. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. 
I like what Brother Clayton used to say. He, he said his dad came home one day and he says, called his wife's name, says, we're in deep trouble. He said, what's wrong? He said, it's the end of everything. He says, what do you mean? He says, President Roosevelt has declared war on poverty. He says he's going to remove it. If he takes that away, we'll have nothing left. And uh, yet that's what every generation has tried to do is eradicate poverty. And you know what they do when they eradicate poverty? They hurt more people now, don't they? Jesus said the poor you're going to have with you always. And the harder you try, the more poor people you make. And uh, get ready. It may be coming. But as we look at this, we say, where does this fit in? You know, there's a tendency for each one of us to look at the next generation that's coming along. How many of you have caught yourself talking about the younger kids in, in this way? I see some heads going up and down. And, uh, and you younger kids, you think, we're going to solve these problems. I mean, we're just going to make a difference. That's what they say. Generation X is the problem-solving generation. I wish they'd just get with it and get it done. Amen? Uh, no, they're not going to. These are the things that we look at. And what's going to happen here is he's going to go into a, a section. And, and we'll, we'll just get a few more verses here. Because this kind of explains what he's talking about. Verse 15, the horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. Now, how many of you know what a horse leech is? I, I saw one hand go up. Oh, okay. I mean, this is not a pleasant, uh, I don't even know what kind of animal that would be, uh, in, insectivore or something like that, but... Uh, a leech just grabs on the side and literally sucks the blood out of whatever it gets attached to. You know what? Leech never gets full. They, they always have more and more. And it says, here's the issue is, listen, there is no satisfaction. There is no way that certain things are going to be satisfied. There's no answer for this generation that is coming that think they're the answer. And here's what's going to happen. Look at this, the rest of verse 15. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not, it is enough. You know what? You cannot satisfy people who think they're going to solve all the problems. Here's the four things that he say are never satisfied. Number one, the grave. You know, it doesn't matter how many people we bury. We're going to have to bury more now, aren't we? The graveyard is never full. As long as there are people living, the graveyard will never be full. The grave is always going to be seeking more people. The barren womb, there is no answer when children cannot be had. The earth that is not filled with water, the barren womb, the barren earth, 
and the fire that saith not, it is enough. How does a fire work, my friend? If you don't feed it, it goes out now, doesn't it? If you're going to keep the fire burning, you know, I'm happy we're halfway through October and we haven't had to fire up the boiler yet. Once we fire that thing up, guess what's going to happen? The fuel bills are going to start coming in. Because no matter what you do, you got to keep that thing full so that it keeps the building warm. There's, there's just simply no satisfaction. And here's the end of all things. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Now that's a rather gruesome verse. But what it's simply talking about is you join up with this generation. There has always been of this generation. Since Adam and Eve, there has always been of this generation. And no matter what you give them, no matter what you pay them, no matter how great their attainments are, there is no satisfaction in it. And when it's all done, they will destroy themselves. I mean, that's just King Agar giving us a surmisal of what is happening. And I'll tell you what, all you got to do is pick up a history book and see this thing repeat itself. And the idea of this, of the eagle, it's actually talking about the buzzard there, uh, the birds of prey. And uh, when they land on a dead body, the first thing that they do is they come up and they uh, gouge at the eye because if the animal is dead, it won't move. Then they know it's time to eat. And this is the way the birds of prey work. And when we refuse the counsel, go back to verse 11. There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey the mother is going to destroy himself. He's just simply saying, don't be a part of that generation. They're, they're there in every generation it comes up. They're going to solve all the problems. Uh, I think I've told the story here more than once is we were just beginning the church and, and back in those days color copies were just almost unheard of. In fact, to have a color screen on your computer 20 years ago uh, meant that you were uh, real super high tech, you couldn't afford that stuff. Everything was little black screens. And uh, I was printing up some church tracks at Staples, just getting them Xeroxed off. And I'm standing in line behind this uh, person, uh, will be kind. And uh, when he saw what we were printing, he turned around and said, oh, he says, I live on Roosevelt Island. He says, we're creating the world's perfect society there. And I looked at this gentleman and very tried not to laugh. 
because if there was a perfect society, he was certainly uh, the antithesis of what you would call a perfect society. Um, I mean, there was just some things wrong there, and you could tell very easily that, uh, um, you know, he, he would not fit Mayor Bloomberg's standards of health and, and well-being as someone, as I think Brother Franz came up, he was extra, extra healthy, and uh, uh, meaning he had enough flesh for two or three bodies. Uh, but it was all stuck on his, and he was creating the world's most perfect society. Boy, doesn't it sound like Agar? I mean, he was going to get rid of all the poor. There's not going to be anybody that needed anything. He was going to solve all these problems, and he certainly wasn't listening to the words of wisdom because the words of wisdom tell us things a little bit different. You're not going to solve everybody's problems, and you're not going to make everything right. The best thing that you can do is understand that there are certain things that are never going to be satisfied no matter how much you do. But if you'll get back to the words of God and the direction and the wisdom that God has given you through your parents and through those that instruct you, you can be safe from this generation. It's amazing. We have... uh, Preachers that are out to do the same thing in churches today. We don't want anybody to feel guilty or be sad. We don't want you to be uncomfortable in any way walking through church. And, you know, when you're starting a new church, you know what? There's a temptation not to run people off. But you know what? You can't run people off that aren't yours. You want people to join and be a part because they... Desire the things that are there. And it never fails. We've had some people come through and they'll say, Well, Pastor, don't you have this kind of ministry? And when I was young in the ministry, I said, Oh, maybe this is the Lord leading here. And then I found out that they were gone and I had all this extra work to do that had nothing to do with what I was trying to get accomplished in establishing a church. I finally learned that Uh, Lord, uh, if you want it done, it'll be written down here. And if somebody wants to start a special ministry, uh, you'll bring in the person. That's why we waited 20 years for Brother Newberger and Miss Kelly come along. Uh, I wanted to see a church started in Greenpoint for at least that long. And, uh, but you know what? I got too much to do here. I am so glad. And God sending Brother Mike and Miss Kelly to start that church. Amen. And it was worth the wait because it'll be done right now. You see, you can't satisfy everything. And those people that are out there trying to solve all the world's problems, they're going to end up dead in the valley of life with the buzzards of the history picking at their bones. Let's get back and remember that it's the words of the Lord that are pure. He is, those are a shield. We're not going to add to them. We're not going to take away from them. We're going to ask God to give us what we need to serve him. Sounds like this dumb 
unknowledgeable, stupid Agar is a pretty smart guy, doesn't it? You know why? Because he wasn't looking at Agar. He was looking toward God. And he wasn't going to let this generation get the best of him. The generation that's coming, he's going to keep serving God. And so, Lord willing, next Sunday night we'll pick up with three, yea, four things, then finish uh, this chapter. I, I really enjoy uh, uh, Proverbs. There's just so much there. But let's, let's learn from King Agar, not King, I'm sorry, it was King Lemuel. Let's learn from Agar that I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the wisdom. It only comes from God. It's his words and his words alone that will remove lies and vanity. God will give me what I need to serve him. And the end of all of those people who serve God their own way is destruction. Uh, Let's not let them move us in the wrong direction. All God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. And we ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct us in your word, in the study of your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to realize that there are just some questions that cannot be answered, some things that cannot be satisfied. But, Lord, they lead to destruction. Let's just not go down that path. Let us walk in your words. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we won't even worry about